0: i don't know who this man is coaching the dallas mavericks but it is not the same jason Kidd that was coaching in milwaukee because this man has figured it out i don't know what he's figured out but he's figured something out since he became the coach of the mavericks everybody and welcome into another edition of there's a lot going on the only podcast that the same number of field goal makes in the first half as chris paul and devin booker i'm david arroyo joined as always my pal tom shively tom it was a day of nba game sevens it was really the day of game sevens i believe there was like five or five total between the nhl and the nba five game sevens in the last like two days But, Tom, before we get into the Game 7 that just concluded, the shellacking by the Dallas Mavericks, I got to know, how you doing today?
1: Yeah, I was watching that game. I'm doing great. Obviously, my Celtics got a win. We'll get to that in a minute. But I I turned the hockey game on because of that. I just just saw a beatdown. Great Game 7. The Rangers beat the Penguins, if you're curious. I know you're not. But uh, I turned the game off because of how bad it was. So congratulations to the Mavericks. But wow. So there was one more viewer tonight on the ratings because you turned off Maverick Suns. Yes, they got another viewer on overtime, for sure. So TBS, you're welcome. It went from TNT to TBS, who were owned by the same company anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But yes. I don't think that
0: was particularly helpful for boosting hockey's popularity in this country. But, you know, you, you gave it your best shot, really. You, you, you tried, and I respect it. Did you know soccer the- now... uh considered by people by more people in this country to be a sport they enjoy than hockey more people like soccer in this country now than hockey according to doesn't our surprise study.
1: me soccer's growing i see you got the brentford jersey on um last thing on hockey the bruins lost yesterday so like i'm out season's over for me and i don't really care who wins the stanley cup so cool i just didn't want to be the penguins and they lost so we're good
0: well this is going to be the most hockey we talk about for at least the next 12 months i presume i i don't anticipate us talking more than a minute of hockey again between your cup favorite, now you know? and when yeah the whoever lifts it when it's over <laughs> i i don't i don't even know who's in it to be a, the ice cats. give saying, me the florida ice cats. The how about that the,
1: left. the, the panthers are yeah, like florida it, okay. and
0: tampa bay are playing each other but other than that uh, i don't right. really have have much we'll going on it. but tom another team who didn't have anything going on tonight ...was the Phoenix Suns, just absolutely blown out in Game 7 after really getting handled in Game 6 as well. The Dallas Mavericks take them out in 7, 123 at a 90. Luka Doncic had 35 points, he was 6 of 11 from 3, including 10 boards four assists, and two steals, and that doesn't even begin to do justice to what he did tonight because he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter, so he did all that damage in three quarters of play, most of it in the first half where he had 27 points matching the amount of points the Phoenix Suns had in the first half. Jalen Brunson gave you another 24. Dinwiddie gave you 30 off the bench, and that was all they needed to take out the Suns. The Suns struggled mightily For some reason, right after Chris Paul turned 37, they had a 2-0 lead, and as soon as he turned 37, he was terrible the whole rest of the series. Devin Booker was terrible the whole rest of the series, and this team, considering it was a home game, this was the single worst performance by a team facing elimination these playoffs. There was another team who we'll get to who also put in a stinker in their elimination game, but this was the worst performance by a team facing elimination all postseason. It's one of the worst performances I've seen in a long time.
1: This might be the worst performance by a one seed I've ever seen in the playoffs. This early. There's been some stinkers in the finals. Yeah, there's been some conference final stinkers. But for how dominant Phoenix was winning 64 games, I think there were eight clear of the second place team in the NBA. So they were far and away the best regular season team. And to see the guys that have carried you all season. You know, we mentioned Chris Paul, Devin Booker didn't hit a shot in the first half. TNT had it was the first time that's ever happened when those two played together in the same backcourt in any half that they didn't hit a shot. And it, it's shocking to see a team that was that dominant get outclassed the way they did and and how kind of reliant the Suns are on, on being hot and someone picking them, to, someone picking them up. It felt like there's not a go-to person like Devin Booker wasn't it you know he wasn't really anything special those last few games against milwaukee in the finals last year when they lost four in a row and it kind of feels like another underwhelming stinker here against a team that they probably should have beat in dallas but it's 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 the greatness of luca i think can't be overlooked so since you brought him up i guess i'll start there i was going to start somewhere else but i'll
0: start with luca is it time for me to take my victory lap on this one because i feel like i've been right about luca every step of the way And I have just doubled and tripled down on how good I think Luka Doncic is. Really what this came down to, because I picked the Suns to win this series. And even last week of record, I said I thought the Suns would still pull the series out. It really came down to, I didn't think Luka was going to get enough from his supporting cast to win this series. I thought it was going to be the Luka show and that he just wasn't going to get enough from everybody else. And turned out, I I was wrong. He he got a lot from Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie these last couple games. The role players on this team were knocking their shots down. And it just became one of those things where you were getting, you knew what you were getting from Luka. What were you getting from everybody else? And they were able to get just enough from everybody else to win this series. But I think Luka Doncic, I mean, I said he's the third best player in basketball. I think you could strongly make the argument he's probably the second best player in basketball. I still would rather have Joel Embiid when he's healthy but Luke has been hooping these entire playoffs I think I saw he's has the highest points per game average in NBA history of a player when he faces elimination which is an absurd statistic to be the best at like to know that when you your team is facing elimination that he's gonna show up is valuable like that is insanely valuable to have but I think Luka Doncic I I don't think this is gonna happen but I think he has an opportunity to take, at least going into next season, the best player in the league title if he's able to win the this championship. I, I we'll get into Giannis in a second, but I think Luka is like, he plays basketball in this really weird way where he's always playing at his pace. No one's ever going to speed him up or slow him down. And it just always feels like he's in control of whatever game he's playing in. And that's so valuable, especially come playoff time, because you know what you're getting from Luca. You know he's going to control the game.
1: And it's really just on what's he getting from his teammates. And tonight, his teammates showed up. Yeah, the Luca Giannis discourse is going to be really interesting. Uh, like you said, we'll get to that in a minute. But Luca. Balled out in Game Seven last year against the Clippers on the road. Uh, actually scored more than he did in this game. So it, it like you mentioned, he's a big time performer. And it's now that you finally have these role players, you get a good game from Dinwiddie. You get a great game from Brunson. It takes so much of the pressure off, and and that's kind of what Luca's needed, and that's what they've been ever since they traded Porzingis away. They got those second options, and and Brunson really came into his own. He had a bad start to the series, but give him credit, he turned around once they got to Game Three and Four, and and, and Phoenix. You know, played great in Game 5, but outside of that, that's four stinkers in five games from the best team in the NBA. That can't happen if you're a championship-caliber team, and Chris Paul's not getting any younger now that we look at it. I mean, Devin Booker, I have a take on him that I've workshopped that I want to get to in a minute after we talk Celtics, but Devin Booker is interesting, didn't show me much here. Aiton struggled a lot from the field. It, you know, where do you go from here if you're the Suns? It, it's hard to imagine you replicate that success next year in the regular season. So, did you miss your championship window? Now that I mean, you blew it, not that they blew it, but they lost to Milwaukee last year. You blow it against Dallas this year. What's next for Phoenix? I think those are questions you have to ask. Would that that was kind of the thing I was thinking when it comes to
0: Phoenix is. How many more opportunities with Chris Paul are you even going to get when you are the one seed, 60-plus wins, and have an opportunity to win a championship? They're, they're running out. And, you know, I, I think it's been a little unfair what we've done to Chris Paul because it's almost like, oh, like, Chris Paul needs to lift these guys up. Chris Paul needs, like, we only do that because we see what LeBron James was able to do how powerful yeah. he was when he won the ch- yeah, like, and so we, we we think, like, oh, Chris Paul, 37 years old, needs to carry the Suns. Nah, that, this should be Devin Booker's team at this point. Like, at this point in his career, Booker should be the one, like, Chris, you get on my back, give me, like, 10 to 15, and that's all I need, just just hop on, we'll, we'll go to the next round, I got this for us. And Devin Booker didn't show up, and part of that tonight, at least to me, and in this series... I don't know who this man is coaching the Dallas Mavericks, but it is not the same Jason Kidd that was coaching in Milwaukee because this man has figured it out. I don't know what he's figured out, but he's figured something out since he became the coach of the Mavericks because his whole game plan tonight was Devin Booker is not going to beat us. Somebody else can try and beat us, but it's not going to be Devin Booker. And it was basically the complete opposite for Monty Williams. It was like, it was like, eh, Luka can do what he wants. Like, if, if I'm Monty Williams, Luka cannot in any circumstance get that many one-on-one matchups with DeAndre Ayton. I am not switching that matchup that frequently that Luka can
1: just put DeAndre Ayton how on the outside. How is that outside. what you go to first? How is that how you start the half? Both times with Ayton on Luka. I, you come out and you put the big man on him. What are you doing? I, that made no sense to but, me, and they it, kept going back to it. Not that anyone on the Suns can guard it wasn't, him, but to go Aiton? It wasn't that Aiton was on Luka, though, right? They, it
0: was, it was, they were so willing to switch Aiton onto Luka. It, it's that they they didn't make that adjustment to be like, hey, let's stop switching when Luka goes into the pick-and-roll. It was like, no, they were content to continue to switch Luka. And onto Luka, and Luka was like, fine, I'll just keep shooting step back threes over him. And at one point, he took him into the post and hit a fadeaway over him. Like, it, it was just a masterclass from Luka Doncic at every turn in this game. He was like, what? You want me to shoot step back threes? All right, I got those. Post game? Sure, I got that. You want me to take Mikel Bridges, a defensive player of the year finalist, and make him look silly in the post? Sure, I can do that too. And what's so funny about Luka. None of this should be surprising. He won the EuroLeague MVP when he was 19 years old, and there was conversation about, "Oh, did the Mavericks reach on him at, at by trading up to three? Should they have maybe kept Trey Young?" are like seriously Luca has been better than Trey Young his entire career he's clearly the best player from his draft class and to me all conversations around Luka Doncic to this point have been stupid because it's like well his team sucks like it what is he supposed to do there's only so much one man can do
1: yeah that's an interesting one I think it's hard to say you got the raw end of the deal if you're Atlanta I still think you got a special talent in Trey Young but he's not Luca. it's it's He's not close. You're kicking yourself if you're Phoenix a little bit because you drafted eight and number one overall. You had the chance to get him and then he... No, you don't think so? You don't think they're kicking themselves right now?
0: No, because they... they they made a finals, right? So, like, they made an NBA finals. So, ultimately, and he was a big contributor to making an NBA final. So, you can't say Phoenix, like, made a mistake. Because I actually don't think, I don't know how well Luka and Devin Booker would actually match together. Point. And you probably don't get Chris Paul if you get Luka. Like, there's a lot of dominoes. The team that's kicking themselves is the Kings. The Kings that oh, took to Marvin oh. Bagley.
1: Who was four? Four was good that draft, too. It was Jackson, right, from Memphis? Yeah, yeah, the believe, only bad so pick in the top five, five was five Marvin Banks. Bagley. Yep, Marvin
0: Bagley. Yeah, I mean, we I, knew I that, mean, though. But as soon as we were, saw who was picking at two, it was, it was oh, the Kings are going to get the worst player. Yep, that's,
1: he could have been good if he had drafted him. If Lugo went to the Kings, I don't know if he's good. I gotta be honest, I don't know if the career translates.
0: <laughs>
1: it, it only works in Dallas? <laughs> it works anywhere but Sacramento, I think. He's only bad in Sacramento. <laughs> Okay, I'll hear it, but go ahead. You, I felt like you were going somewhere. I. It's just I, I. I can't get over the collapse by the Suns. I mean, I think Luca's special. I'm excited for this matchup with the Warriors, but Devin Booker. I'll get to the take now. He's a lot like Jason Tatum from two to three years ago. I see a lot of that in Booker, which is wild because Tatum's younger than him. I see a guy who's not really willing to participate that much on the defensive end complains to the officials all the time doesn't get the call a little bit of a diva i think tatum still has some of that in him but he's been able to back it up a little bit more in big games so the improvement is possible if you're booker i think but he's already a couple years older than tatum tatum has advanced so much past him that it feels like booker is down that path that some people thought tatum was never going to really improve on and and, and booker kind of hasn't shown any of that killer instinct that you'd expect from a guy who's a superstar, whereas Tatum has taken that step and gotten his team big wins, and Booker's kind of had to rely on other people. Well, you know,
0: I heard this take the other day. Uh, I'll give credit where credit is due. I heard this on Bomani Jones' podcast when he was talking to Dominique Foxworth, and he said that part of... I forget if he was using Devin Booker as the example, but Devin Booker is an example of this. All the guys who are grew up Kobe guys... They want to emulate their game after Kobe, which kind of ignores the fact that Kobe Bryant is maybe the best tough shot maker in NBA history. The number of shots that Kobe took that were bad jumpers that went in were astronomical. And so there's like only so many guys in the league who can replicate that. And so trying to replicate that is just not going to go well. And so it feels like that's kind of like Devin Booker's problem is he wants to be so much like Kobe but it's Kobe Bryant. Like his main number one skill was, oh, I'm triple teamed. It's fine. I'm still going to put this up and I feel better about my chances of it going in than somebody else on my team putting this shot up. And I think Devin Devin Booker has that problem. I think he he's just... I he wants to be Kobe and he's not Kobe. Let's just be honest about it. No offense to Devin Booker. I think Devin Booker's good, but he's not that caliber. Nobody's of player. Kobe.
1: I mean, that's not yeah, I mean, that's not a fair fight. He's not in the same stratosphere. It's, i think he's Kobe's the best tough shot maker ever, I think, with what we've seen in his career. So yeah, it's that's a lot to ask for that guy. Let, let me ask you then, because you brought Booker up, who do you blame for what happened with
0: the Suns? Like they were up 2-0. This is I think the fifth time in Chris Paul's career he was up 2 0 and ended up losing the series, including last year's NBA finals. Like, who's the blame? Is it Monty Williams? Is it Chris Paul's Is it Devin Book? Like who do we put the blame on? Or if you want, like what what's the percentage of blame?
1: It's a cop out answer. I I I don't know if you can pin it all on one guy. Everybody was that much worse in the last few games. If you want to go percentage, I'd probably go. I don't. I don't blame Monty Williams at all. I, I think Luca, like they were dead in the water before they even made adjustments against Luca. So I don't think they would have been able to save themselves by making second half adjustments against Luca in this game. I think probably half Booker, half Paul. I, it's you got to be better if you're CP3. But again, age keeps coming to my mind. Like the guy's 37. I I look at the Suns next year. I I don't know if this is even a top four team in the West next year. And you know Devin Booker hasn't taken that step in the postseason we all said he did in the regular season he had an mvp caliber season he was a little bit better on the defensive end but none of that translated to the playoffs and it's weird to see that kind of a drop off from a guy and a team that that played as well as they did in last postseason to come out and have as bad of a game at home in game seven this year this is i mean this is the worst playoff game they've played probably in franchise history it's a stinker i'll go i'll go 50 50 chris paul devin booker short answer not a short answer at all, but that no that's blame. my short answer.
0: <laughs>
1: no blame to DeAndre Aiden. I don't blame Aiden if that's game. what you're asking. I don't blame Aiden. I think you got Chris Paul and Devin Booker have carried you all year. You gotta be better than that. Oh for eleven from Chris all right, Paul. Fair enough. And Devin Booker.
0: Yeah, fair enough. All right, Tom. Let let's move on then. This will be super quick. Because I don't think we have much to say about the series. We said all we wanted to say last week. Golden State took care of business. They finished the series against Memphis. They won the series 4-2. 110 to 96 finished off the Grizzlies. I'll just give a quick congrats to the Grizzlies. They had a really good year. I think it was Dylan Brooks after the game who said that the Warriors are getting old. And we're going to be young for the next couple years. So, I mean, I expect the Grizzlies to continue to be good. And have plenty of opportunities to get back. It's really just, can John Morant stay healthy? But... I don't know if you have anything to add about that series before we do a quick Western Conference Final preview.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to say they win the series of job plays, um, but they certainly put up a great fight in Game 4 and 6, both on the road. Yeah, maybe Jha's the difference in at least one of those games that gets you to a Game 7, but they, those young guys played about as well as you could play on the road for, for three and a half quarters and, and Game 4. that That's the one that I think you have to look back more so than Game 6 because you get the clay nuclear game in the fourth quarter and you kind of tip your cap at that point but game four was the one that they had one going back to memphis 2-2 and they let slip away so i think you grow on and obviously you get around further than last year you mentioned giles still be there so they'll still be big big contenders next year and, and you have to like where you are but yeah warriors just were the more veteran team they were healthier they, they got it done all right let's
0: talk about those warriors then they Now we'll have home court advantage against the Dallas Mavericks. I think at a certain point, you know, you kind of said to me last week that you thought the Warriors should have been the favorites in the West. I thought, I'll be honest, I kind of thought whoever won Phoenix-Dallas was going to win the West, and I think I still feel that way. I think best players on Dallas, it's hard, right? Because, like, that's the only thing Dallas has is they have Luka, And so for some reason, I'm just like, that's why Dallas is going to win. But I I I, got to just keep riding with my guy at this point.
1: This is an interesting one. I I think I I still think the Warriors are the best team in the West. They should probably be championship favorites at this point. But the way those guys have have shot the ball, what you've seen from Jordan Poole in these playoffs, Clay Thompson is kind of finding his footing each game. It feels like he's getting a little bit more comfortable it's hard for me to pick against the Warriors in the playoffs with that nucleus they have. And, and they the the 40-point stinker loss in Memphis worries me a little bit. I feel like they haven't shown me a lot on the road recently. They had the one-game win in Memphis, but it's a, it's a fun series. I think Luka beating the Suns is one thing with with the experience on that team. But then you look at the championship pedigree of the Warriors, I think they're just a little bit more comfortable at this stage. I think it's going to be a great series, probably go seven, but I'm taking Golden State. Here's my thing with Golden State.
0: And I guess why I think I lean the Mavericks in this series. We've seen Dallas has been really good at hunting matchups, at finding the guy they want to go at and really attacking that matchup. And I feel like since the Warriors lost Gary Payton Jr., not saying that's a reason they're going to lose the series, but they don't have a lot of plus defenders on this team. Draymond, or Draymond is really like their only... Definite plus defender. I think Klay's a plus defender, but I still think he's still, he just doesn't have the lateral quickness he did pre-injury. He's still a good defender. He's just not like all NBA defender anymore. And I think the Mavericks are probably going to employ a strategy very similar to what the Cavs did the year the Cavs won the championship, which is they're just going to hunt Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins. And I guess when he's out there, Kavon Looney or Jordan Poole on switches, they're going to hunt those three dudes for matchups. And luckily for the Mavericks, they have three dudes who you feel comfortable getting buckets. You have Luka, Jalen Brunson, and Spencer Dinwiddie. And so I think if you're hunting those matchups and this game slows to like a snail's pace, which is what Dallas is going to try and do, I just think that's hard for the Warriors to combat because they are so good when they're playing fast pace running up and down the court here comes Steph running off six screens to go catch a ball and shoot a three and it's like if Steph is exerting himself over on the defensive end he's not going to have all this energy to run off screens and then be able to chuck threes too because that's what happened in 2016 they were just going at him so much he was not able to put up good shots on offense
1: I'm intrigued to see if, if the Warriors employ kind of the reverse strategy and try to get Luka in some action, knowing that he's going to be a little bit gassed on the defensive end, because I think it could work both ways. I think you can get very creative, obviously, on the offensive side with, with screens and and pop out threes if, if you have Curry and Thompson, who are two of the best to ever do it, obviously. So, you know, kind of which team does it better, I guess, is the chess match to see, and, and certainly Dallas is capable of it, certainly the Warriors are capable of it, and... Yeah, Jason Kidd's been a great coach. Steve Kerr, obviously, we know what he's offering. So it, it's going to be an interesting one for sure.
0: Dallas is just as interesting to me as the next team we're going to talk about, which is the Celtics, because both teams since the since January just went on tears. They were different teams once we hit 2022. And it's just fascinating to me that that could be the NBA Finals matchup, just these two teams that got insanely hot, made all the right adjustments after January, made some good moves at the deadline and it was like it was margin stuff I think the difference between those two is for me Luka Doncic is top five player in the league I don't think the Celtics have a top five I mean they definitely don't have a top five player oh, somebody, in the league. I'd probably, somebody's Archie knocking Tatum's on the door top,
1: though somebody's knocking on the door
0: I would argue he's a top ten player, but he's like a fringe top ten player. And I, there's somebody else in this in that series that I want to talk about once we eventually get to uh, the other matchup that ended uh, in the Eastern Conference. But let's start, Tom. Let's let's go over. Actually, before we go over predictions, official predictions. Uh, what do you got? I'm going Warriors and
1: seven. I'm going Warriors and seven.
0: You know, what? give me give me Luka and the Mavs in seven. Give me. I said this earlier today. When it goes seven, I tend to lean who has the best player, and I think the Mavericks have the best player in any series they would play from here on out. So give me the give me the Mavs in
1: seven over the Warriors. To your credit, you, know, I- you said. To your credit, you said if Luca was healthy, the Mavs are the best team in the Western Conference. So you've stuck by that. I respect that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the I thought again, I thought the Suns would beat them because I thought the Suns. I just didn't expect that from the Suns. I I, I thought they were going to get more from their role players than the Mavs did. And listen, Mavs role players showed up. Credit where credit is due. Reminds me a lot of the Dallas Mavericks that won the title over the Heat that year.
1: Mmm. Oh. I like just it. Maybe a little rematch go- could be coming there too. Maybe a little Mavericks Heat rematch for round three rubber match. Uh-oh. And this time, uh, best player would clearly be on the Mavericks. I don't this I like the four teams left like obviously I'm a Celtics fan but I, I think there's a lot of attractive potential finals matchups here that I think you're gonna get good basketball regardless of who's there like there's no Atlanta Hawks in the in the last four this year that's like eh, they're really supposed to be there kind of felt like all four of these teams are playing their best basketball right now
0: well let's talk about that team who's I mean, not even just right now. I've been playing their best basketball since January. I mentioned it already. It's the Boston Celtics. They sweep the Brooklyn Nets. They go down 3-2 to the Boston, to the Milwaukee Bucks. And I thought, I think I texted you and I told everyone, series over. One team has Giannis, the other team does not. This series is over. And surely enough, the Boston Celtics win game six, win game seven, become part of the 19% of teams in NBA history to win when down 3-2. And there they are going to the Eastern Conference Finals for the second time, I believe, in the last three years. They were there in uh, 2020 as well during the bubble season, didn't make it last year, obviously, and now are back this year. I kind of want to start, but before we do the Celtics and kind of like celebrate what they did in these last two games, I just want to hit real quick. There's going to be a lot of bad takes on Giannis. And listen, he was very bad. I don't think he was good today. He was good in the first half. Celtics clamped up in the second half. But to somehow blame the guy who went 44-20 and 6 in the closeout game 6, I sorry, I'm not blaming that guy when the best next best contribution he got was Pat Connaughton 6 of 8 from the field. I, I'm not blaming Giannis for what happened in these games. I just I refuse to do it.
1: I know you got some funny texts about that. I haven't seen a lot of anti-Yannis takes, but you know, for the ones out there, it's preposterous to to not call the guy that went 17 of 19 in game six of an NBA finals when people joked about his free throw shooting uh, to clinch a championship last year and then went 44 and what, you know, in his mind probably should have been a clincher in game six to not call him clutch. I mean, it's, you got enough out of the guy in game five, game six that you lose a little bit in the Bucks. It, it kind of felt like that was what was going to happen in the series. It, it's every Bucks win needs to be accompanied by a Giannis Herculean performance. And obviously, he's capable of doing that every time. But in the seven-game series, you're going to have a bad game here or there from Giannis. And, and you have to find a way. Drew Holiday, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Porter, whoever it is, Brooke Lopez, that needs to have 20, 25 points. and They just didn't get that thing. It felt like the Celtics kind of, once they figured out Giannis after the first quarter, it was smooth sailing. They dominated the last three quarters of the game and they really were the better team. in I would say six of the seven games outside of game one, the Celtics were probably the better team in every game of that series. They blow a huge lead in game five. They have the unfortunate tip in that doesn't go in in game three, but I thought complete game three, game five, they were better than the bucks. And obviously the four games that they won, they showed why they were the better team in this series, and yeah, the best player to your point doesn't always get it done in Game Seven.
0: And listen, it, it it's hard for you know Giannis to do it all by himself. He just he looked gassed by the time the end of this game rolled around. Second half, you could just tell the miles were starting to wear on him a little bit, which I think actually is a legitimate criticism I've heard of Giannis before. Is that you know he, maybe it's his size or I don't know what it is, but he seems to. You know, in the regular season, they kind of control his minutes, and then come postseason play, they're asking him to play 40-plus minutes, and he just starts to get gassed over time. Last year, he was able to kind of push through that, get to a title, but this year, you know, kind of struggle with that a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, just just real quick on the Bucks before we move on to the Celtics. Once they lost Chris Middleton, I, I thought, like, kind of like you said, I just thought Giannis was that kind of player, like LeBron, where it's like, get on my back. I will carry you to where we are going to go. I will take you to the promised land. And it just, that, that's, that was unfair by me. Because only one player in NBA history has ever done that. Only one player in NBA history has made me ever go, how in God's name did you get that team to the NBA Finals? And it was the 2007 Cleveland Cavaliers. How in God's name did that team make the nba finals by the time we came around you know 2017 2018 we knew the story on lebron james it was at that point if you were surprised by it you were the idiot not me but in 07 that team had no business being in the nba finals and somehow they made it there and i thought Giannis could give you that kind of effort but he can't and that's fine that there's one player in nba history he can though i think that's the point he
1: can give you that effort he gave you that effort to win game six he just didn't get it from the rest of the teammates. If he goes nuclear in game seven today, it's probably not enough to win either because they ended up losing by 28.
0: No, but I, I guess, guess we'll never know. I guess, know, guess my but, I mean, point, it, like
1: when when LeBron went nuclear, though, let's think back to like the 2018 playoffs. LeBron went nuclear. They, they did not have to beat a team that's as good as the Celtics. None of the three teams they beat in that title run were as good as this Celtics team. The Celtics had no Kyrie. They were, you know, rookie Tatum. They had Jalen Brown in the second year.
0: Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry. We're good.
1: Yeah. That was rookie Tatum. That was Jalen Brown in the second year. Yeah. 2017, same thing. Celtics got a game in that series. Don't ever forget. Celtics won a game in Cleveland in the 2017 Eastern Conference Finals. They did not get swept. It produced one of my favorite
0: photos of all time as well, which was uh, the missed dunk by LeBron James. But Isaiah Thomas was holding on to him for dear life. And all the memes were like, take me to the finals with you.
1: <laughs> they, uh, so two LeBron moments that live in my head, right, is, is the 2012 game six that hurts the 2018 game seven are the two that probably hurt the most. It felt like that would have been a Giannis, like, up their level performance today if the Bucs were able to win. So the Celtics kind of exercised the demons a little bit, not that it's LeBron, but Giannis obviously got him a few years ago in the playoffs, and the defending champs, you kind of have to beat them to to get to where you want to go, and it felt like a turning point. Really, Game 6 was almost more of a turning point for this team than Game 7 because of how good Tatum was, because of the fact that it was on the road, because of how they, they went way up, Bucks closed down, they got back up again and kind of coasted to the end, but Jason Tatum you talk about tough shot making in game six, seven threes, 46 points. He was elite in that game. He was toe to toe with Giannis. And that's the kind of performance that goes, oh, yeah, like this team, you buy into the fact that this is a championship caliber team and they got a good a shot as anybody. I think all four teams have a good a shot as anybody to win the title.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Celtics, right? So much of their turnaround has been predicated on good defense and a willingness to share the basketball amongst your two best players. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have both become very unselfish since January, and they're a better basketball team for it. You see the way this ball moves around with them. You see the defense. Your When your stars are giving that kind of effort on defense, you get a lot of buy-in from the rest of the team. And so, you know, I still have a lot of question marks about the Celtics, mostly because I don't love their depth. Like, you're still playing Peyton Pritchard 17 minutes a game. That's a little concerning to me if you're the Boston Celtics. But, you know, if you're going to keep getting the kind of performances Pritchard out of your five starters today, that you've way. been getting, like, that, that, okay, does nothing
1: for me. Capable of a good game. How about that 30-piece it, in game, game four? But, oh, we didn't talk about that. How about that?
0: I was going to, like... Al, How about the end Al one Horford dunk on the
1: clock? Turn back the clock, night.
0: Yeah, if Al Horford can keep giving you one of those a series, you're going to keep it being in it. Like, you got... That was the thing. When you think about this series, right? You got a game from Horford that won you a game. You got a game from Grant Williams that won you a game. Game six, Marcus Smart showed up to give you some contributions alongside Jason Tatum. So, you were getting... It was like every night you were getting one guy who was a role player who was like, I got it tonight. I, I'll Everyone, hop on my back. I got this. And mind you, one night it was Tatum going off. But again, he got a huge, like, he was Batman and Marcus Smart was his Robin that night. And that's what you need to win NBA championships. You need, you need at least one guy who can go nuclear. And then you need just really good supporting role players. But again, I'm a little concerned with the bench. Of this team like even Derek White like I expected that move to be a bigger acquisition for them one for 10 in game seven one of six from the field he, he just even the games where he plays well it doesn't look very pretty and I, I just I don't know I, I'm a little concerned about the death but again I, I think they hang their hat on defense and that's a great calling card to have if, if
1: you don't want to worry about your depth. Rob Williams is going to be, his health is going to be huge in this Miami series. I think with a guy like Bam Adebayo, uh, he tortured them in 2020 uh, down in the bubble uh, when they lost that series in six games. Uh, real quick, Grant, Grant, Grant Williams shot 18 threes in a game seven. That that doesn't feel like a sentence that would ever be said aloud in NBA history, but I, I think it kind of paints the picture of, of the Bucks' defensive strategy all year, which was, You know, we're going to clog the paint inside, and if you hit your shots against us, you'll probably beat us. And no one was able to do it in the playoffs last year, but the Celtics finally just made enough shots, and they made enough threes. They were 22 of 55 from three today. That's more than a three a minute that they attempted. 55 attempts. And I think they attempted 51 in game one, and they they shot like 20-something percent, and they get killed in that game. So it's just... You know, the cliches, it's a make or miss league, but the Celtics got open looks and they continued to take them in this game, and nobody was scared to take looks. Derek White had a few that he that he clanked and he still shot it. No, not a lot of them went in, but it's that confidence and that trust to still shoot threes and still understand that what Milwaukee's giving you you can use to your advantage.
0: Well, Tom, we're gonna to talk about another team here in a second that you you know who we're gonna talk about. But before I talk about them, let me set it up this way. Uh Ime Yudoka became the second or third, I'm not sure which it is, former Philadelphia 76er assistant to make the conference finals since 2016. So that just goes to show you, you know, they're pumping out good coaches. They're just not hiring any of them. Tom, let's talk about it. The Philadelphia 76ers eliminated by the Miami Heat 99 to 90 in game six. It was... Honestly, the second worst performance by a team in a closeout game this postseason, the Phoenix Suns, thankfully, took that crown from them. But, I mean, lackluster effort across the board from the Philadelphia 76ers. James Harden took two shots, I believe, in the second half of that basketball game. The only game the entire series, you took more than four shots in the second half, was the game uh, four game where he kind of just went nuclear in the second half. He was like 7 of 18 in that half. And you know, Joel Embiid wasn't good in this game, but I, I, I again, much like I find it hard to blame Giannis for what happened, I find it hard to blame Embiid for this when he's literally dragging himself out there with a broken face, a torn ligament in his thumb, and if we'll be honest, he looked kind of concussed again in game six. So, like, he, he's dragging himself out there, and his teammates aren't showing up. Like, James Harden... We They brought him in here to be second fiddle, to be number two, to be the guy when Embiid is struggling a little bit, to go out there, get yours, carry the team a little bit. Horrible. He was terrible in Game 5 and 6. I've never seen a superstar player give such a bad effort. Tobias Harris, all the defense and all the praise I've been giving him, the entire playoffs, Games 5 and 6, disappeared. I don't know where he went. I need to put out an APB for Tobias Harris because He disappeared. Tyrese Maxey, only dude in game 7 who even looked like he cared enough to want to go out there and hoop with Joel Embiid Shake Milton too, Shake Milton got some dog in him 6 of 8 in that game In that Game 6 but uh, another disappointing showing from the 76ers and I find it even hard to blame Doc Rivers yeah, I can blame game 1 and 2 on Doc Rivers that was a pretty bad idea to play DeAndre No or Embiid though, I mean, No Embiid. Him, were they but... really
1: going to win those games? Exactly
0: Like I, I didn't expect no them Embiid. to win anyway but one? you could have done yeah. better things like, but but so, by
1: series end, I don't blame Doc Rivers. I think what has to hurt the most, and obviously I'm not a Philly fan, but you started to allude to this, and it's the Ben Simmons who pleading, pleading to get out of there all year. Philly fans didn't want him there. He didn't want to be there. Absent in the postseason last year, you lose a game at home because of Ben Simmons' passiveness and... You're sitting here 11 months 12 months later you're sitting with the exact same problems you don't have anybody besides Embiid that can really take over in an elimination game at home trying to force a game seven trying to get to your first conference finals in 20 years what what's next if you're philly is the question you owe art, you owe hard harden a, a brinks truck of money i mean where do you go from here you got that move this was a move at the time to yeah this is a right now win a championship move and. You're a little bit unlucky with Embiid's injuries. You know, maybe you steal one of those two. You're probably going Game Seven if if Embiid's healthy this whole series. But you're seeing a lot of the problems that they had last year that that you know they sought out to fix and thought that they patched up in the off and and in the in the moves leading up to the trade deadline. But but here we are.
0: Well, it, it, let let me let me hit on one problem that I think people have kind of ignored and people ignored it going into the playoffs. I don't think I I'm, I might have picked them on this podcast to go to the finals, but like that was more of a homer pick than like what I actually like. If I'm being honest, what I actually felt was going to happen. I think you had the Bucks. Because I think you did have the te-
1: Bucks beating them in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. All
0: right, thank God because I I, I thought I, I thought the Bucks were the team I was going to win the East. I was wrong anyway, but who cares? It it really comes down to this team has no wings at all. Like what the thing I texted a couple friends right when I watch the Bucks, when I watch the Celtics, even watching the Heat, they got a lot of dogs on this team. The guys you bring in off the bench, the wing players, a lot of 3 and D guys, not afraid to do the dirty work, go out there, they're comfortable just catch and shoot from three, we got you, whatever you need, you know we can be the enforcers, we play good defense, we're going to be a good supporting cast. The Sixers role players can do one or the other, not both. George Niang, he, you know, when he's not hitting threes, liability out there on defense. Matisse Thiebel, when he's not playing defense, which he didn't the entirety of this series, liability on offense. Danny Green was passable on defense and was pretty good on offense in the opportunities he got, but. He's thirty, what seven, thirty-eight. You can't rely on that anymore. And then he tears his ACL and his MCL, and is definitely like gonna get cut now because he had a non-guaranteed contract. It's just one of those things where this team lacked depth. They lacked any kind of player that's like a dog and is actually like willing to go out there and fight. Minus Embiid. Like the the thing I heard today, someone say is the Sixers lack players who are tough either mentally or physically. Because Tyrese Maxey, to me, strikes me as very mentally tough. Physically, though, he's fr- he's a small guy. He can kind of get moved around on defense, and they hunted the matchup with Tyrese Maxey this series. And outside of Embiid, you don't have any of those guys. And it's, it's concerning. I think, ultimately, you're going to have to sign Harden. Otherwise, you trade at Ben Simmons literally for nothing, and you just can't do that, in my opinion. But... You can't sign him to a max contract. That has to be off the table after what you just saw in these playoffs. He has to be willing to take a pay cut because he's not that guy anymore. He is not a max contract player anymore. And if you give him a max contract when you're already paying Tobias Harris a max contract, you're screwed. You're gonna you're gonna flush the Embiid years right down the toilet the same way you did the Allen Iverson years.
1: What do they owe him? It's north of forty million, right? Harden?
0: If he gets a max contract extension, it will be uh, a four-year, two hundred and twenty-three million dollar contract. If he 46, does not take the max,
1: okay.
0: it, it it's because his player option for next year is for forty-seven and a half million dollars. So if he doesn't get the money he wants, he's just going to opt back in, and like you're going to pay me my money, which is kind of helpful though, because then you get a year of James Harden, you can see if he is like you know a summer to rehab is he back to normal is he back to some level of James Harden that we expected when you traded for him and if he's not you let him walk in the offseason now you have money to play with and a much better free agency
1: class next year are they this currently constructed team next year health-wise if they are if they're healthy enough are they a championship contender still? do you have to make a lot of moves if you're Philly or do you kind of are you ready to run it back You need to make moves on the fringes, right? You you
0: can't—I don't think you can blow it up necessarily, but you need to get a bench somehow, whether that's trading Tobias Harris, whether that's signing guys in the offseason, but they don't have a lot of options in terms of contracts they can sign guys to. It's really going to have to be a lot of moves on the fringes with wing defenders. Specifically, they have no wing defenders. And you need a good backup guard. Honestly, I feel comfortable with the backup center. If you roll into the season next year with Paul Reed and Charles Bassey, I say give them a year to figure it out and you'll be fine. But you need wing defenders badly and you need a backup point guard, you know, other than, not a backup point guard, but another backup guard outside of Maxian and Harden, who maybe is comfortable playing off ball, but yeah, I think all the moves you can make are on the fringes. But if James Harden isn't, you know, if James Harden's not even a good distributor anymore, which he shrunk in that area to game five and six, you're done. You're you can't win a title next year.
1: We talked enough about the Sixers, Dave. We got to give the Heat. Their no, hold on, props. hold on. I know. Um, hold on, hold oh, on. You're hold not on. done yet. Bef- okay, my bad,
0: my bad. I have one more take. I got to get off my chest because. I told you I had a take coming into this about the Philadelphia 76ers. I thought you would agree with. And I think I fall into some of this as well. And so this is me calling myself out as much as it is calling anybody else out. Sixers fans need to stop talking about the Philadelphia 76ers like they are a marquee franchise because they have not been a marquee franchise in at least 40 years, 50 years since Dr. J retired. They have not been a marquee franchise. They have been essentially just as good as the New York Knicks over the last 50 years. The Knicks have been to more NBA finals than they have. And really, the only reason we think of the Sixers as a better team is because they had two of the best players of the last 50 years in Joel Embiid and Allen Iverson. It's the only reason we think of the Sixers as better than the Knicks. When in reality, the Knicks have had just as much success, technically more, since Dr. J retired. The Sacramento Kings. Have been to a conference finals more recently than the philadelphia 76ers we have to stop acting like this is a team who every season championship expectations they got to get back to how they used to be they're just not they haven't been that team in a long time and until they start showing it consistently we got to stop treating them like a yep pencil them in they're a championship contender because they're not
1: here's the thing i it feels like they are, right? Like, I think they're going to be championship contenders next year. Like, I don't know if it's just us getting fooled year in, year out, but they're not the Nick Like, the Knicks have had some stinkers, right? Obviously, in recent years, they have a great year last year. You and I both sat here and, and went, come on, it's the New York Knicks. They're not going to be any good this year. Last year was a flash in the pen. And we were right, of course, because that's been the Knicks story since Patrick Ewing left, really. That's been the Knicks story for the last 30 years. But Philly has hope. And they just—they're bigger chokers than the Knicks have ever been because you have to get to a place of of importance to choke. Yes, so kind of a, a slap in the face to both the Sixers and the Knicks there. But in terms of a choking franchise in the NBA, maybe the Utah Jazz. But I cannot think of a team better than the Sixers. Jazz might be a better comparison. Let's be honest. The last few years, they were one seeds in the West. They were two seeds in the West. They were. Flat game sixes in Los Angeles. They were game six losses at home to Dallas. They were half a series Luka doesn't play. You still lose the series. You lose to a Herculean Jamal Murray effort in the bubble. Like, choker-wise, I think the Sixers are up there with the Jazz. So maybe we're comparing them to the wrong team.
0: I mean, I was going to say the Clippers, but the Clippers have been to a conference finals recently. The crazy thing about the Sixers is just in the last like five years, they've had... An entire controversy around their general manager not like criticizing their best player, and it 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 was a burner Twitter thing. And it's just like man, this franchise, is, uh, all the weirdest things that could happen in the NBA happen to the Sixers. Their their first over their number not number one, but their yeah their number one overall pick forgets how to shoot the basketball. Their first round pick the next season doesn't know he has a peanut allergy and almost dies because he eats something he wasn't supposed to eat. It's just like all the weirdest things happen to this NBA franchise. And then on the other end, the team they were playing, maybe the most well-run franchise of my lifetime. The Miami Heat, since they've come into existence, have, what have they made now, like nine conference finals in my lifetime? Absurdity. They just consistently, year in, year out, are a good team, and they know how to find guys that fit their system.
1: Yeah, I mean, they. Uh, Max Struess, come on, what are we doing? I mean, it was Duncan <laughs> Robinson two years ago. It's Max Struess this year. Who had that? If you have your hand up on Max Struess that you had him being a successful NBA player, you're lying. You're, you're lying to yourself. And it's, it's yeah, what you Unless mentioned, your name it's the is Pat, Pat Riley, Riley. effect. They're able, they're able to find role players, and they're kind of... They've, Mike Ryan, who you slandered last week, I I think you owe an apology after I'm done here. I think you owe an apology to Mike Ryan, had this point on the show where the Heat have had LeBron, won their championships, rebuilt, been back to the finals, back to the conference finals again since the process started, since the process started for Philadelphia, and the Heat have ran it back. They've done two cycles in the laundry machine, and this Philly is still waiting for it to come out of the dryer. Like, what are we doing? Hey, listen, you're 100 percent
0: right. I, I'm gonna have to cut this with what I said last week to Mike Ryan because I didn't post it because I never got a good opportunity to post it. But you were yeah, I, I owe my
1: Five win.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I I owe Mike Ryan an apology. The Miami Heat, I disrespected them. Mo- let me correct that. I was the one person on this podcast who said that the Miami Heat should are a team to be taken seriously. But once the series came around, I disrespected them at every single turn. They don't have a guy who's gonna come up in clutch situations. They're one of the worst clutch basketball teams in the NBA. Victor Oladipo, I said he fooled you. I mean, Victor <laughs> Oladipo played pretty well after I said that. It wasn't great, but he played pretty well. He fooled you? I was slandering Kyle Lowry, and he was injured. Like I, I was wrong at every every step of the way, and I apologize to Mike Ryan. He Mike Ryan had this one pegged from start to finish all season long. Said the Miami Heat are not getting the respect they deserve in the national media and from the media at large, and he was right. I, I didn't give him any respect, and. You know, it is what it is. I I, I miss Jimmy Butler dearly. I want to say that. And I also want to present to you a new statistic I found out about that I didn't know about. Uh, it's an advanced statistic. We know how I feel about those, but I, I kind of like this one. So the NBA has this advanced statistic called PI, player impact estimate. And in simplest terms, this is on their website, in its simplest terms, Pi shows what percentage of the game events did that player or team achieve. So, how many of the events in the game did that player directly have an impact on? So, it's really how much are you impacting winning? The number one player in these playoffs in player impact estimate is Jimmy Butler, 21.9. According to this metric, he's been the best player of these playoffs. And to be honest, watching him this series, I have a hard time arguing with the metric. He has been sensational
1: this entire postseason. Luka Doncic, to me, has been the best player. But Jimmy's had a hell of a playoffs. Like, I'm interested to see, I gotta read into that, what that incorporates, like field goal percentage, you know, like assist to turnover ratio, like what kind of stats that interprets, but Seems like an interesting stat. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's hard to it's hard not to see Jimmy Butler's impact on the game and he's he's a guy who's kind of always been comfortable in his role that he's not going to be the flashiest scorer. He's he's never been the most explosive player on the floor. He's never been the the most creative on offense, but he just makes the smart reads and and a guy that can do that every possession for four quarters, you you limit the turnovers you limit the bad shots i think that's huge for a team that's still really young like miami and, and he just fits in with those role players so well well and he's so good too at at how do i describe
0: this he's so good when the lights are brightest jimmy butler comes alive and we saw it in the bubble, and everyone talked about it like, oh, this was a fraudulent bubble team. This this isn't a team who can do this once they're out of the bubble. And Jimmy Butler, this postseason, is showing you that was not a fluke what you saw from him in the bubble. Last year, the team just ran into the buzzsaw that was the Milwaukee Bucks last season. But the Heat retooled, regrouped. added P.J. Tucker found some more diamonds in the rough and Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. And here they are back in the conference finals again. It just... It's like clockwork with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. Like, I find it hard to say at this point there's a better coach-front-office combination in the league than the Miami Heat. The, with this level of consistency, it's impossible for me to say anyone's better than they are in, in that category.
1: I think Spolstra, too, it's got to be so validating year after year that post-LeBron, you're still getting to conference finals. You're still getting to NBA finals. That this, you know, He really has been the guy all along, and... We put Nick Nurse up a few years ago. I said he was the best coach in basketball. Probably transitioning my vote over to Spolstra right now if I had to pick one. I think it's Spolstra.
0: Yeah, I mean, Spolstra never got the credit he deserved because he had LeBron James. But he was also the guy who was making the adjustments to, you know, put LeBron James on Tony Parker to try and win another NBA championship like he's been a good coach for a long time and just doesn't get the credit he didn't get the credit he deserved because he was coaching the big three and you've been able to see these last couple years not having the big three having Jimmy Butler who is at best a fringe star and what he's been able to do with this team he's been able to take them to heights no one predicted them to go to and it's been wildly impressive and they just they deserve the basketball community's respect at this
1: point it's insane to, to kind of look back at, at these four teams that I had what two of them missing the playoffs. Maybe I think maybe they were all playoff teams, but none of these four I had anywhere near my conference finals. And I think just the way that you kind of round into form and the Warriors were, were great all year. The heat were great all year, but the Celtics and Mavericks, you know, made those improvements. And again, like I'll say it again, all these teams are playing their best basketball right now. And that's what you have to be in. And they're all worthy contenders. So Miami, They're going to be tough, man. They're so good. They're so disrespected and they're so good. And they kind of relish that role a little bit. I think ever since LeBron left, they feel like they're getting cheated a little bit. And, you know, they've proven that they are contenders year in and year out. Big credit to, to both the heat and the Celtics,
0: because you heard Udoka's quote today where he said, you know, that's why we played so hard in the regular season to get a game seven on our home court. That's why we did all of this. And, Credit to both the Heat and the Celtics. 1-2 in their conference. All season long, they played to have those 1-2 and two seeds in their conference. They played their hearts out to be at the top of that conference. And it, it worked out for them. They, The Celtics in particular had a crucial Game 7 on their home court. And the Miami Heat, if this series goes 7, will have a crucial Game 7 on their home court. And with that, I will say... I'm taking the Heat in seven. I think the Heat win this series. I think the Heat are the better defensive team. I mentioned to you already my concern with the role players. The Heat are this weird team where they've been 10 deep all year, and they've been willing to go 10 deep in playoff games. That usually doesn't work for teams, but it works for the Miami Heat. I love the style of basketball they play. It's gritty. These are going to be low-scoring basketball games, in my opinion, but at this point, I'm not betting against Jimmy Butler in a, in a clutch moment. I, I'm gimme Jimmy Butler leading the heat to another NBA Finals appearance.
1: I was looking for it from the Celtics. You know, a, a sign that that this wave of, of Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, that, that kind of group of three really is championship caliber. And, you know, they've gotten close the last few years, but, you know, they run into LeBron or Jalen Brown gets injured or they... You know, they run into Giannis in 2019. It, it felt like they needed a moment to put it together where it's like they have arrived, and I think you got that in Game 6, and I think this is a team that's playing as confidently as anyone. When you go to the champions and win twice on the road, I don't think Miami is going to intimidate them at all. I, th- I think anyone who watches basketball would say Milwaukee is a tougher place to go win a basketball game than Miami. I think the Celtics will win one of two to start this series, and I think... I like them three out of five with three of those games at home, so I think I'm going to lean Celtics in six. I don't know if they're ready to win a game seven on the road, but if they take care of it in six, I like what I've seen from Tatum. I think if you keep getting, you mentioned it, you get those role-player games, you get one from Horford, you get one from Smart, Grant Williams, whoever it is, on the road, wherever it is, to get a couple of those games, they should be okay, and I think the Celtics have more candidates that can put one of those games out than the Heat do, so I'm leaning Celtics, I'll go six. I think it's totally fair. I think I think this
0: series more than in the West is a total coin flip, despite the fact that I picked the Mavericks. I think most people are going to take the Warriors out West. I think this series is a total coin flip. I, I think you can go either way and you could be proven right. You know, it, it, it I don't think it matters. I think both these teams could win this series and I think both these teams could win the title to be quite frankly, to be quite frank. But Tom, that brings us Toward the end of another edition of There's a Lot Going On. Not sure if there's any other NBA thoughts you have before we, we get too far removed. We're we're almost down to the NBA Finals.
1: I I'm at the point where I, I had little expectations for the Celtics coming into the year and, and and obviously I I I like to see them get to the conference finals, but the script is flipped completely where I will be disappointed if they don't win the NBA championship. And I think they I I will think that they are the better team delusionally over these other three teams. And I'm just, I'm excited for the conference finals. Tuesday's a tough turnaround when Miami's at three extra days, but they can steal game one. You never know. Hey, you you never know.
0: I'm very, I'm intrigued. These NBA playoffs have been fantastic. I think it's been nice to not have a dominating force in terms of media coverage like LeBron James in the playoffs because it's allowed other casual fans to get to know a lot of the other stars in the league we've really gotten to know Jason Tatum and his game we've really gotten to know Luka Doncic these playoffs obviously we know the Warriors and we know Jimmy Butler we know what he's capable of we've seen it before and he's doing it again despite the fact he's gotten absolutely no respect leading up to this point in the playoffs well Tom officially that brings us to the end of another edition Of there is a lot going on. If you've made it to this point and you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and you leave a comment down below. Let us know who you think is going to win the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. And if you want, let us know who you think is going to win the 2022 NBA Championship. If you're listening to us on a podcasting app of your choosing. Make sure you go on to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give us a five-star rating if it's on Apple Podcasts. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. If you want to leave us a prediction there as well, I will read any and all comments that are left on the Apple Podcast page here on the podcast. And last but not least, make sure you go into the show notes, follow us on all of our social platforms. Instagram, the, the people of Instagram love to hate me in specific and so it's been it's been fun to see the reactions to some of the takes on Instagram. Tom, any final thoughts before
1: uh, we let the people go? I didn't expect this to go an hour. Hey, lots to talk about. Prediction, real quick. You have uh, you have Warriors Heat or you have Mavericks Heat? You got we got a title? Uh,
0: no, I don't want to give a ti- I don't want to give a prediction. I mean, sure, I, the Mavs are going to win the title if it's Mavs Heat.
1: Celtics Warriors, I, I I gotta ride the Warriors. I, I can't pick the Celtics to win the title. Um, I'm worried that I'm gonna curse them, so I'm going Warriors. If Luka Doncic wins the NBA championship this year,
0: I'm gonna be comparing him to LeBron James immediately on this podcast. After I just I need everybody to know that now. If that's what happens, that's Tom Shively. I'm Luka, Dave. Rory. Luka, I'll catch oh. you back here next week for another edition. There's a lot going on.